Wrestling Geeks This is Dane Alves with another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide reviews over shows. But uh, this is actually a different show. We do this once a year, and it makes sense that while recording this, you know, it won't come out until next year. But we're recording this on the 31st of January, 2021. Uh, yeah, I almost fucked that up. Um, uh, you know, known as New Year's Eve. So, uh, Chris, you know, this is before we get hammered tonight. But uh, before we rake in the new year, uh, we got some we got some lists to talk about. This is our best of episode from this past year. Yeah, I think me and you uh, usually stress out about this year, year but uh, it was it's kind of. The past two years have been a little weird when making these lists, so uh, mine was uh, not as hard this year as it has been in the past. I actually kind of went through this a little little more doe-eyed, I think, as far as some of my picks. So it should be interesting to hear what you have on your list. I'm actually pretty excited about it. Yeah, man, uh, I agree with you. And just to let the uh, audience know, uh, new listeners uh, are amazing older Listeners, not as in you are older, but like you've been listening to us for a long time, whatever age you are. Um, we're going to do it like this this year. We're going to do top five matches, top five tag teams, top ten women's athletes, top ten male athletes. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get right into it. I guess with these top fives, Chris, we can go one by one and then we'll change it up. I don't know. I, I think we'll do three, 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 and then the number one by itself for the uh, top tens. Does that sound good since we're just doing this on the air like we always do? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. That sounds great. All right. All right. All right. Well, I will uh, go first, I guess, to start this thing off for the top five matches of 2021. Uh, a lot of great matches. Man, I wanted to say honorable mention. I could have had two page matches, Adam Page, who had a great return, who was out from a good chunk of stuff, uh, but came back, had a good ending of the year. We'll go into male performers, but both his matches with Kenny Omega winning the title, great moment, I would say, awesome match, and his match with uh, Brian Danielson was great. Um, I loved a lot of the, the, the two main events, on uh, WrestleMania uh, for both nights. I thought that the three-way with Edge, Daniel Bryan at the time, and Roman was a lot of fun, and Bianca and Sasha might have stole the weekend. But neither of them made this list. I just wanted to kind of bring up some matches. I might think of others while this goes on. Um, Osprey and Shingo, that's another one. But uh, first, from New Japan, um, and it's only this low because I think that the matches in front of it, I remember details of better. It's not his fault. You know, I, I, I try to refresh myself with the matches. Um, 
had problems trying to find them for a second time, but I remember me putting a, a mental asterisk next to this match, and that was at Wrestle Kingdom between Okada and Osprey. Awesome match. You know, um, just those are two of your top performers, and it's kind of going to always be, Chris, I would say, the student and the teacher when it comes to the two of them, since that's what they've always kind of included. Much like how when they have Tanahashi and Okada in a storyline in New Japan, it's usually that same aspect. But uh, Will Ospreay had a good beginning of the year, you know, obviously had an injury, kept him out for a while. He's been making his rounds, trying to come back. And Okada is fucking Okada. He's not even the IWGP champion, technically, and he's rocking the old title as if he is before he faces Shingo and then Will Ospreay if he beats Shingo Takagi at Wrestle Kingdom. Looking forward to that. It's only in a couple weeks. Chris, who is your number five? And any honorable mentions? Well, I'll go with my honorable mentions first. Um, so uh, the honorable mentions that I have, like you, some of them were the same that you had, Bianca versus, uh, it was Bianca Belair versus Sasha at, at Mania, which which was a great match. Um, the follow-up to that wasn't that great, kind of after Bianca won and in the little reign that she had, I wasn't a huge fan of. Uh, the three-way with Roman absolutely beating the hell out of uh, both Edge and um, Daniel Bryan and then stacking them on top of each other for the pin was kind of a crazy moment. Um, I also have a couple of matches from night night one on G1, so I'm only going to put one out there, which I believe was Okada versus, well, actually just from the G1 in general, Okada versus Takagi. That one easily could have probably went into my top matches. But like you said, you kind of get into splitting hairs when you put it into a top five. Um, My number five is actually from the world of New Japan. It's Tanahashi versus Takagi at New Japan New Beginning, which was an absolutely incredible match. Um, Crazy enough, we actually, to me, we had some better American matches than we did New Japan matches this year. I don't know about quality overall, but for the first time, you could make the argument that you had some, you know, I, and I think even Dave, Dave Meltzer did to this to some extent where there was a good amount of five to six star matches that happened here in the United States, which is the first time I can remember that happening in a long time where some of these actually outranked some of the things in Japan. So my number five was Tanahashi versus Takagi at New Japan, uh, New Beginning, which was an absolutely phenomenal match. It's hard. It's like you said, there's some of these matches have become harder to find unless you have New Japan World. So if you're going to be bored for the next month or you have some downtime, be a good time to, uh, you know, do a short-term subscription and <laughs> catch up on some of the stuff that happened before G1 starts next week. And also another good reason to sign up this month is that you will get, obviously, uh, Wrestle Kingdom next week, which I believe is on Wednesday, Thursday, and then Saturday, which is going to be kind of odd this year, but uh, should be some good stuff. Like uh, like you said, the the heavyweight title picture from night one, two, and three itself is going to be well worth watching. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to Wrestle Kingdom, and we're going to have probably a special mainly uh, about the outcome of those three nights, and I'm hoping that New Japan has a a bigger year. Um, also, I wanted to, I, I thought of a couple matches off the top of my head. Roman and John Cena had a fucking just a really fun WWE straight wrestling match at SummerSlam. 
I almost uh, forgot about that. Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole had some good matches. Um, I think the third, uh, if I remember correctly, at, at specifically TakeOver, I think it was the last one with Adam Cole at it, was probably one of their best. Um, God, in Ring of Honor, the Pure Tournament, I just want to shout out that and Jonathan Gresham going through that just in general. Uh, just a lot of a lot of good stuff across the platforms of you had great stuff in Ring of Honor, even though they had to do the empty arena stuff. You had some uh, Rich Swan and fucking Kenny Omega killed it. Uh, Christian having that match with Kenny Omega where he beat him for the Impact title on Dynamite. That was also another fun match. Uh, but yeah, like you said, the American side, very, very strong, I would say, this year. I think that's not it's it's not always as fair because didn't New Japan have to like even though they had the G1, they had to like kind of chill out a little bit due to COVID or did they have a free year this time? Uh, the, well, New Japan delayed the G1, um, if I'm not mistaken. So it was pushed a little further out. It was a lighter year for New Japan in general because they had a lot of they had a hard time running live events with different COVID protocols that happened throughout the year. They also lost a lot of their American talent that you would normally see in New Japan, such as, you know, Jay White, who's been uh, doing stuff over here. A lot of the people that are working in New Japan strong uh, that you might normally have seen, you know, in, in potentially the G1. So while the G1, the, the actual lineup of the G1 was a little lighter than it normally would be, they had some great matches. <laughs> they did a really yeah. good job of booking the A block and the B block. And um, from the Ring of Honor, this match actually probably would have made my top five, but I didn't put it in there because it wasn't a traditional wrestling match of any sorts, which was the Briscoe's Farm match. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that easily. Matches. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And uh, Gresham versus, uh, specifically Gresham versus uh, what was a hot sauce, Tracy Williams in the finals, I believe, at that tournament was a great match. He beat Jay Lee. We all thought it was going to be lethal versus Gresham. Hell, their match at the last Ring of Honor pay-per-view event was a great match on the spur of the moment, too. So um, just great stuff over here. And then Matt Cardona got mutilated uh, a couple times. So pick up on uh, Mr. Cardona. Yeah, Matt Cardona is in another honorable mentions for me <laughs> later on. But yeah, he, he had a crazy year in itself. Could have made my list. I don't know. All right, we'll uh, go to the next one. Um, I think this match, it's it's not, it was more shocking that gave it value, I would say. But I thought they had an excellent match and actually put a lot of chemistry into it. It was at a dynamite called uh, St. Patrick Day Slam, in which Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker had the lights out match. And <laughs> one thing I'll have to say about it that I remember specifically is that they were vicious. They used a lot of the stuff, but it was more at a better pace, I would say, than most death matches. Uh, and just that image of Britt Baker. She lost the fucking match. Thunder Rosa beat her. But that image of her with the blood all over her face, uh, very similar image when, when it comes to women wrestling and and um, legitimizing it uh, to Becky when she got her nose broken. But uh, I never bought the T-shirt. I kind of wish I did. I wonder if you can still find it online. But just a very memorable match. And uh, it I, I, just, I just think it, would, it deserved to be on here. So that's my number four. 
Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker at St. Patrick's Day Slam on Dynamite. That's, I mean, that was a good one. That's one that I actually kind of, I don't want to say forgotten about, because now that you brought it up, I remember so many moments from that match. And definitely the aftermath of it kind of skyrocketed Britt Baker to some extent. Um, and yes, you can still get that shirt. It is on Pro Wrestling Tees. They had to make an order for them over the holiday. So that thing is still out there. Um, so, yeah, maybe you'll get a sale on it after the new year. So wait a couple weeks and <laughs> see if they put one of those 20% off <laughs> gimmicks out. Um, yeah, my number four is also from the realm of AEW, but it is the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers at All Out for the titles where the Lucha Brothers finally become your AEW uh, tag champions. I thought the match had really, really good pacing. There's some slow spots here and there. But, uh, I mean, it's the it's one of the best, if not the best, Lucha Brothers Young Book matches I've seen. And the great moment afterwards with Pentagon kind of celebrating with his family covered in blood was just a really sweet moment. Um, as crazy as that sounds, the entrances seemed big for the match. I mean, it felt like a WrestleMania caliber match, and, and it showed in the quality of work that they had in the, in the ring, even with... Um, some of the lackeys from the Young Bucks little crew getting involved with the ridiculous, uh, what did they say, $10,000 Jordan with uh, thumbtack spike to the bottom. The way they were even able to utilize some of the goofy stuff like that was great. And, uh, I mean, you have the, the amazing moment in the middle of that where Pentagon, who's just had the hell kicked out of him the entire match, slides in front of his brother and takes the big kick to the face from the the young bucks which is a really 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 cool moment and it was great to see them get the win it was uh if i remember right i reviewed that as my favorite match um on that show and that's i believe that same show you had darby allen versus uh, cm punk if i'm not mistaken so it was a uh, great match, probably my favorite of that night, and I think a well-deserved number four on this list. That also says a lot about some of the other matches I have on my list, because there's some good shit on here. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I also want to there, – there's another one. I think Punk's Beck's match since being back, and uh, Darby's, Darby's killed it, man. He's had some great matches this year. Definitely want to throw out uh, – that that match at All Out was fun. But uh, yeah, my favorite match out there. And my number three was actually your number four, Lucha Bros and the Bucks. I thought this is the Bucks' best match. Bucks ha- have kind of go-away heat with me this year, just because I find them irritating, but not in like a heel way, just like a fuck-off sort of way. But I can't deny they were the tag team champions for a good portion of this year. And they excelled the Lucha Bros. Look, these guys could have gone crazier than they did. And they kind of toned it down because it was a cage match, different dynamic. Ray jumping off the top of the fucking thing. There was a lot of crazy-ass spots. Like you said, the shoe uh, with the thumbtacks on it and just all of it, followed by finally the Lucha Bros winning. Um, And now we're having them go back and forth in a series of five matches with FTR. Uh, they, they've just been doing great and I wouldn't be surprised if they get, it's going to be, I feel like, and this is kind of separate, but it's going to be an all or nothing style match. I'm assuming at AAA or at AEW, probably at AEW, but they're tied right now. So maybe all belts are on the line. I don't know who goes from there, but Lucha Bros have been awesome. This match was great. And Pentagon still one of my favorite performers in wrestling. Um, 
you know, when they when they have people that know what they're doing, uh, that that's always a thing. And Young Bucks definitely bounce off of them quite well, I would say. Yeah, I have to agree. And they've always had great chemistry. It'll be interesting to see what they're going to do with FTR um, kind of going forward because they've already planted the seeds versus uh, for them versus the Briscoes. So I don't know if that means that FTR will end up retaining in AAA and that's where you see the Briscoes or if that feud starts out in AEW very soon. But I guess we will see. Here's a- we have a couple of big shows for AEW coming up. Here's, here's a, I don't know if they would do this, Chris, but Briscoes right now are in their allowed to travel and defend the titles, uh, especially before they're supposed to apparently potentially pick up things back up in April with Ring of Honor. Uh, so they, they have the Ring of Honor tag titles. They're still the GCW tag titles. FTR is the ones, the guys in the fifth match to dethrone the Lucha Brothers. They're also the AAA champions. <laughs> and... Uh, and the uh, AEW champions. Do we do we do possibly Briscoes come in after that? They start their fight, their feud in AEW, and then we have all titles on the line. Is is someone going to be the belt collector besides Deanna Perrazzo and Kenny Omega for next year in tag division? It wouldn't be a bad idea to bring in some fresh blood. The Briscoes will make great t- great tag champions wherever they go. Um, if they're going to do that, I, I might hold, especially if you're going to put the titles on FTR because they had such a short reign last time. Um, yeah. You yeah, need a good set of baby faces, yeah. and Briscoes are a pretty good set of baby faces if you put them in at that point. Yeah, and there's definitely some interesting matches, as we talked about, that you could set up uh, if you're going to continue down this road with uh, LAX being back with Eddie Kingston, <laughs> potentially. That makes a fun feud as well. So it, it's just going to be exciting to see what we do see in the new year from the Briscoes as well as FTR, uh, both who will be talked about a little later, for me at least. Um, my number three here, I have another match from AEW, which is Daniel Bryan versus Kenny Omega at AEW Grand Slam, which I believe is the time limit draw match. If I'm not mistaken. If not, that's the one I meant. 30-minute time, time limit draw match. Uh, absolutely phenomenal match. I didn't expect Daniel Bryan to have that kind of match. And Kenny Omega was at that point last year was, should have been not even wrestling. So the fact they were able to have that quality match, I don't mind time limit draws. No, that bothers some people, but it was just a fucking incredible match. It made me want that follow-up match even more. And even though Omega ended up retaining, I think it was the right move going forward because they were obviously setting up hangman Adam page to get the titles. So didn't have a huge problem with that. And and that in itself has set up the feud with, uh, Brian Danielson and hangman Adam page. So this was my number three. Well, that's funny. Cause that's my number two. Um, yeah, I thought that the match with Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega at dynamite grand slam was awesome. I do like time limit draws. It was a 30 minute compared to what Brian would then put himself through. Like we said with page for the 60 minute draw. Yeah. You know, uh, the fact that Brian can say what he wants, but he's got two draws and draws still mean you didn't beat Kenny Omega. You didn't beat page. So that's going to be going forward. I think something brought up, I don't know, maybe from page or a future opponent, but I, 
I mean, it was just incredible. It was seeing two wrestlers that you never thought you'd be able to see uh, wrestle in the ring and have a really structured match. And like you said, Brian Danielson, for someone that has concussion issues, neck issues, I mean, he's saying fuck it at this point. And Kenny Omega probably should have like had like six months off. Instead, he was wrestling through a bunch of injuries, which is why he's out right now. So that mixture, television match, uh, really good fucking stuff, man. It was really, really good stuff. Yeah, I have to agree. And and I, I think the biggest thing that shocked me is the juxtaposition of seeing, you know, what we saw to Daniel Bryan in at WrestleMania, and kind of the loss he took there, and then not even knowing that he wasn't <laughs> that that was going to be his last match in WWE to going almost straight to this. I mean, we had a couple of matches in between there when he first got to AEW, but I mean, it was pretty much straight into this 30 minute time limit draw. And it was absolutely incredible. Um, my number two was Okada versus Osprey at wrestle kingdom night one, which I believe went 40 something minutes. It's, Oh, it's been almost a full year since that match happened, but it was one that I had penciled in as my number one until, uh, until, well, when we get to my number one, it'll make a bit more sense. But uh, absolutely phenomenal match. One of the best matches I've seen between those two guys. Um, very highly praised by pretty much every wrestling outlet that does anything based on New Japan. And, you know, Osprey ends up beating Okada and, and goes on to become the champion. Unfortunately, his reign, like you said, was cut a little short due to injury. I would have no problem with him walking out of Wrestle Kingdom as the champion again to give him another run. But uh, I guess only time will tell. We have that. That's a week away. So we will see very shortly. But hell of a match. Definitely worth going back and watching. Um, all of Wrestle Kingdom last year was, as, as far as the main event stuff goes, was was great. Yep. All right. And that's just the, with the best matches, it always sucks starting off the year with Wrestle Kingdom because you become so far away from uh, those said matches. But anyways, let me get to the number one for me. Uh, it was at NXT TakeOver 36. It's the only NXT match that made uh, this list, and it was definitely number one. Um, Walter versus Ilya Dragunov. I mean, these guys, when it comes to chemistry... I still think that Walter's just great at at mixing all Japan with just, you know, uh, European style with the British strong style and just incorporating it and being this kind of like he's more athletic, but kind of perceived very similar to a heel Andre back in in, in Japan, back when he was the heel over there and the baby face over here in the U.S. almost or even a Vader who those two guys very much influence him. You definitely can see the Kabashi. He's just a fucking monster, man. I mean, really what it comes down to is Walter, fuck his size, fuck his look. Everyone's smaller these days than they were in wrestling years ago. And he always is over these great opponents, like your Tyler Bates, like your Pete Dunn's. But for some reason, him and Dragunov, I feel like they're just like, all right, we're going to go out there and just beat the living shit out of each other. And it's an agreement and they go out there, and yes, they rough each other up, but it's in a very safe working way. 
And Ilya's finally able to climb the mountain, did not see that coming, and be the first one to dethrone Walter. And even though we haven't seen a lot of him since he's been over, obviously, in the UK on that show, um, I want to see Walter. There's the rumors that Walter's, you know, he unfortunately had a divorce with his wife. Uh, that was one of the main things that was keeping him here, and they're trying to court him to become part of the main roster was the rumor over here in the U.S. I just hope if they do that, <laughs> I hope Vince gets him because he should be trying to go against Brock Lesnar or at least maybe some bigger, small opponents, Finn Balor, uh, to build up his credibility and not, I don't know, in a, in a pimp outfit trying to do Godfather point two or some stupid shit. But this match is fucking awesome. Number one with a bullet, as Chris would say. Yeah, and uh, actually, I just have Ilya versus Walter for both of their matches because I couldn't pick one. But I think that they were both number one caliber matches. Um, I'm kind of like you, TakeOver 36, simply because Ilya's never-say-die attitude almost had this Rocky Four kind of feel to it where you're like, there's no way this guy's going to fucking win. But he somehow— The Russian pulled- had a Rocky feel to it. <laughs> He really did. If you think about it, you go back, watch the end of that match. I mean, Walter is just trying to kill this man and he would not stay down and ends up getting the win. It was a great moment for Ilya Dragunov to finally get that W against Walter. As sad as it was to see Walter finally take a loss, it was still a great storytelling moment and easily the best thing that came out of NXT last year. Um, we got a lot of recycled matches from NXT until they started with these releases and people not re-signing and before NXT 2.0. I'm going to go on a limb and say this will probably be the last time for the next couple years that you see an NXT 2.0 match anywhere sniffing the top five uh, best matches. So that that in itself is unfortunate. And uh, much like you said, it, I... I feel like Walter's really hard to fuck up, but we have been proven wrong in the past when it comes to the main roster. So I, you know, if he only wants to do three or four matches a year and they're that level of quality, I'm completely fine with that as well. But it would be fun to see him on a weekly basis, challenging people of the likes of like Bobby Lashley or um, Big E or Roman Reigns or Lesnar. I mean, there's a lot of guys I think you could put him with that he could have really good matches with. Uh, if you don't try to change too much about the guy. But as of right now, he gets to enjoy the fact that he is two matches, I think, probably could have been my number one and two, but I lumped them together as number one because I felt that was a little unfair. Hey, man, I get it. And Walter, Walter's uh, definitely a badass. He only had, like, really, what, two major matches? Or he had maybe a third. I forgot. He went against someone. Oh, Champa, And they had a great match. Um, only three matches and I can't, he's definitely on my honorable mentions for men's. He didn't make my top 10, but he's still just a formidable force, you know, um, like an Okada, like there's, there's certain wrestlers out there kind of represents Europe as a whole, if you will. Um, but just a fucking, a monster. Great stuff. Yeah. 
he made my top 10 simply because of those two matches. Um, and then I guess, like you said, the one with Ciampa and then some of the stuff that we saw with Cesaro. Unfortunately, with the Cesaro stuff, we didn't get good quality versions of those matches would make me very sad. That's something they should also do in the future as well. Is give us a either on NXT or on the main roster a actual high quality Cesaro falter match because I think that would be great. Yep, I would definitely agree, man. All right, well, let's move over to our top five tag teams. I'm going to forget people probably, and uh, I apologize, but I definitely it was hard not putting FTR, but still, it's like even if they're winning, I mean, it's still not to the level. Maybe maybe next year. We'll we'll, we'll see when we get back. Uh, see, especially with the feud with the Briscoes that we could be having uh, in the future. But they weren't on my list. New Day. <sighs> Xavier and Kofi, they beat the two tag team champions on SmackDown, I think in a way just to say, like, they're still the premier tag team. But they don't have any gold. They're doing individual stuff. I love that Xavier got King of the Ring, so they didn't. Uh, Girls of Destiny. And also, uh, Zach and Taichi, who had a great year uh, in tag team over in New Japan, uh, made up some of my honorable mentions. Do you have any honorable mentions before we go into the top five? Uh, I mean, I think you named the biggest one for me would be the New Day. They This is the first time they haven't made my list since we've been doing this, so... Um, it's an honorable mention, but like you said, they didn't really, Kofi was out for a good amount of time this year off and on. Same with Xavier Woods. It's like they never really were in sync. And obviously they were trying to build big E as a singles competitor. So they didn't have the same tag team run. They usually do throughout the year. It's finally just now picking back up where they're having tag matches and it's more based around, Xavier being the king of the ring and Biggie being the heavyweight champion or, you know, that that whole storyline has been more about that than their actual tag team. So they made my honorable mentions. Um, and G.O.D. I didn't even think about, so I will throw them in my honorable mentions, but I have not watched a lot of, to be fair to them, I have not watched a ton of tag team wrestling from New Japan this year. Yeah, that's understandable. Uh, I had problems with the Bucks because they're my number five. I really had to accumulate that even though they're annoying me as heels, that should not, you know, we I, I should realize how long they had the tag titles and they still had that amazing cage match. But between FTR, I even had some like going back and forth. And I'm sorry, I only saw a couple of matches, but how dominant they've been in New Japan was Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi, even though I can't stand Tai Chi. As Chris definitely knows, but Young Bucks won number five. Um, they're one of the best tag teams in the world. I mean, that's been said, you know, by many people. Uh, and if you got that Ricky Morton uh, approval, like he's done many a times, uh, and shit, the Hardy Boys for that matter, and maybe we'll get there with that. Not only that, we got fucking even uh, Motor City Machine Guns, Chris Sabin saying he wants to have a match. Alex Shelley is back wrestling, so who knows? What's going to happen with the Bucks this year? I perceive they're going back babyface because I think that whatever version of the Undisputed Era that this is, they're going to try to make them the heels, which kind of makes sense, or the cool invader type angle, if you will. 
not so much NWO, probably more of a uh, what the hell they call Eddie Guerrero and all of them. What was their name, Chris? Um, but they Eddie, did. Eddie, ECW or no? When when Benoit, Eddie, Malenko, and Saturn all came, what did they call them in WWE? Like they were invaders. God, weren't they like the Renegades yeah, or something? Yeah, was it like the Renegades or something kind of dumb? Yeah, uh, I could see that being like the undisputed era, if you will. I don't think Gargano's going to join like some people think. I think it's going to be the three of them. But what I'm saying is I think we're going to be dealing with a, a heel, even if people like him, versus a babyface, Young Bucks, and Kenny originally come. Or I just would rather them as fucking babyfaces. They're just horrendous to me as heels. But they're still my number five, Chris. <laughs> My number five is actually FTR. I think that, and, and and I'm not the biggest fan of FTR, but their in-ring quality and the matches that they've had with the Lucha Brothers or even with Sting and Darby recently have been some of the better tag team matches I've seen. So they did crack my top five. So FTR is my number five as you're still your AAA champions right now. And I think they're going to have a lot going on this coming year that might escalate them further up this list. But that was my number five. All right. It's going to be weird. I don't know. I, um, probably wrong, but if you don't, if you don't have the Young Bucks on your list, and I did, and you had FTR, and I didn't, that's kind of a weird turn of events, but I don't know the rest of your list. We're only at no. five. <laughs> they, the, spoiler alert, the Bucks did make my list, but they're a, a lot higher than you, you had them. Okay, okay. Well, there you go. Uh, number four, them boys, the Briscoes. Their individual fight on the farm, yeah, it's not a tag match, but kept my attention. I mean, they were the last tag team champions for Ring of Honor. They went into GCW out of nowhere, beat their fucking champions, and then also retained the titles uh, not too long ago. Uh, and I think they're going to be mixing it up over here with FTR. Like I said, in AEW, they've been backstage. I think they're just popping them in wherever they think they need to put them. Um you know, which is fine. You know, use them when you need to use them. Don't just throw them in there because you got them. But I think that the Briscoes are going to have an even better year this year. But I think that they definitely kept themselves on the map uh, in different ways this last year. Yeah, I and mean, we actually have them slotted at the same spot. I have the Briscoes at number four. Their build up to their match where they were still tag wrestling tag matches together in Ring of Honor. Obviously, the the veteran team there, they had some great matches. And then the build-up to the farm match, which was great. And then coming back together to win both the GCW titles in the Ring of Honor titles. Possibly the last time we ever see a Ring of Honor show. I guess we will see, because they are still carrying those belts. Maybe they will do something in the future. But it was a big moment for me as a fan. Um, so I have them slotted at number four as well. All right, moving along. Briscoes are awesome. Uh, number three, this was that ragtag team put together, uh, you know, the ones that you, you you don't think will work out, like Kane and RVD, or Kane and X-Pac, or Kane and Brown Danielson, or Kane and Hurricane. Oh, or, or the Rock and Sock Connection. Keep on going, whatever one you want to have an example especially if Kane's involved, because apparently he does this a lot. Um, but it's RK Bro, Randy Orton, Matt Riddle. Oh, Riddle, I mean. Sorry, Vince. Uh, just been doing some awesome stuff. Now, I will say 
and I understand, I think I know why, because it's going the direction like it should. Um, it's kind of starting to overstay its welcome, but still, every fucking segment, even if I feel that way, that I watch with Riddle and Randy Orton and see Randy or- Orton's reactions to what Riddle's saying, they make me laugh my ass off. They've been having fun tag matches. It's more of their pairing that, that get them on this list uh, than I would say I, even having memorable match moments because I can't say what the fuck happened with them. But they are the champs right now over on Monday Night Raw. And one of the reasons why people tune in, uh, especially by ratings, uh, that they're up always when they have segments and matches. So what are you going to do, brother, when RK-Bro come rumbling for, for you? <laughs> when they come riding in on scooters. Uh, <laughs> I have them as honorable mentions, I guess. I, I didn't watch a ton of Raw. They were one of the more entertaining segments. My my biggest problem with with them would be almost AJ, the same thing as AJ, and almost, AJ Styles and almost is that they wrestled each other for seemingly forever. And that was the majority of that tag run. That and uh, there was a period there where Randy Orton was just gone. I don't remember if it was for an injury or what, but it was just then you had <laughs> part of RK Bro just feuding with <laughs> with AJ and almost being riddle. So they, I'll give them an honorable mention. I think they're one of the most important things to Monday Night Raw, and that shouldn't be glanced over. But my number three, I had the Usos for a different reason, being one of the most important parts of SmackDown. But also, uh, they had some great tag team matches here and there when they were forced to be in tag team matches against whether it be, uh, God, what is, I don't know why I always want to call them the primetime player. Is it the primetime players? It's not the primetime players. No, um, you're thinking of another great tag team honorable mention. God dang it. Uh, bring the swag like nobody can. Don't mean to brag where the party at. What the fuck is their name? Now I have primetime players in my head. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> like Ford and fucking uh, Angelo Dawkins. Uh, fuck, man. Street Profits. There you go. Yes, there you go. They had some great matches with the Street Profits, and also they're being the constant threat to everyone that tries to def- defy the tribal chief. They've been very entertaining to watch, so I have them as my number three, the Usos. All right. Well, uh, that's actually funny because my number two... Usos! Uh, I think that Jay has had to take like a little bit of a, a background player. You know, obviously, then when Jimmy was injured for that year, when it was just him and Roman, they've still done a great job with it. Um, the kind of trials and tribulations of Jimmy, Jay kind of being the guy that's like, you know, that kind of got them all together as one unit. Uh, their matches with the with Randy Orton and um, no, not Randy Orton. Um, yeah, wait, yeah, they had that that awesome match at uh, Survivor Series with RK Bro. That was probably one of the better tag matches um, of that night. Yeah, they just, they've they've had a great, bunch of great matches. They've had the titles the whole entire time. They really make that whole entire group of the Bloodline really, you know, seem big. Uh, along with, obviously, Roman having the championship. So, yeah, Uso's number two. I think my number two might be your number one, but uh, I have the Lucha Brothers at number two, 
it's it's awesome. They've had a great tag run. They've had a bunch of good matches. Even their triples matches they've had have been really, really good. I have them listed here at number two. The Lucha Bros themselves, Pentagon and Phoenix. And my number one goes to... I know what Chris's is. Uh, the Lucha Brothers. They had a great year. They've had some awesome matches. Um, they're learning how to, I think, particularly Pentagon, because I think Reef Phoenix gets it, uh, you know, to slow down their matches sometimes, uh, make stuff a bit more meaningful. But, you know, they just had that, like I said, the, their, their match with the Bucks, um, the match with FTR, specifically the one that they had over in Mexico, um, even though they lost that match. Just good stuff all around and uh, really enjoyed the Lucha Brothers. And what I'm hoping is, honestly, now that they've had this, maybe, yeah, it's time to finish it with FTR. Have fit, even if they do heel shit, have them go over and maybe think about since we got, re, you know, Red Drag, we can go back to Lucha Brothers. I'm, I, that's not what I'm saying, that we can't. But, you know, Red Dragon's coming in, Briscoes are coming in. I'm just saying, you know, you could probably start trying to do some Ray Phoenix in the T- in the uh, TNT title picture, probably, and maybe even Mr. Pentagon in the world title, or vice versa, just kind of some single stuff. So they're not just grouped as a tag team like they have been the whole duration while they've kind of been in AEW. So that's that's my biggest thing. But good good tag stuff this year, guys. Good brotherly, you know, love, if you will. Let's see if you can do some single stuff next year after those titles drop from your waist. What, who do you got, Chris? Um, I can't. I can't figure it out. I'm just fucking. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and uh, agree with you on everything you just said about the Lucha Brothers. I think that they could definitely split off and do some single stuff, and now might be the time, especially if you're bringing in even more tag team rosters to the most stacked tag division in the business. You know, if you, if you, I mean, if you think about it, there's there's a bunch of tag teams that we didn't mention in AW that are still good tag teams that you could build a tournament around or figure out a different way to get them involved in matches. So there, there's a ton, a ton of stuff they they can do. Uh, my number one was the Young Bucks. I think they had a really good title run. They had some great matches leading up to their eventual loss, and then even since then, granted, a lot of their matches have ended up being trios matches but they're very still very good matches. Like uh, that's the one thing about the young bucks. Every time I watch one of their matches, I'm like, this is a good match. Uh, there was some annoying qualities there. Like you said that I think built up some of that go away heat, especially when the good brothers were also hanging around. Uh, some of that shit did get super annoying, but it would be hard for me to put them anywhere on this list. That was a number one, just based on the quality of matches themselves. So I do have the young bucks. Number one. Now, are they my favorite tag team on this list? No, <laughs> not. They're probably like, I don't know that they would even make this list if we were going off favorite tag teams. But uh, as far as like best in quotations all around from last year, I have them sitting at number one. I think you said something important, though, just now. And people definitely I want them to perceive it this way. This is me and Chris. I think that we both. We, we use personal feelings, definitely, but. I think we're trying to perceive it, at least in our own way, where we see them stack up. Um, 
you know, with the Young Bucks, I guess their heat kind of took over, but I still had to have them on this list. There was no way. Chris hasn't been number one for a lot of good reasons, but I'll fucking top ten males. My favorite wrestler, or one of my favorite, probably in the top five, maybe in the top two, I don't know, Adam Cole. Did not make my list. I didn't think that he had objectively the better year compared to some of the people that were on my list. Um, and, I mean, people are going to think I'm crazy. CM Punk's not on my list either. So I'm just I'm just letting you know that it's about accomplishments and a lot of other things that at least factor into my and Chris's decisions, I would say, within these lists as we start the top ten women's. That's exactly it. I mean, almost the PWI format. Uh, not as crazy as their, some of their shit, but <laughs> the same general idea, taking personal feelings aside. Otherwise, me and you might have Sting way up high on this men's list. <laughs> uh, and there's some people on this list that are in my honorable mentions that, given if they wouldn't have taken, I don't know, seven months to show up, in WWE, especially with the current run they're having on SmackDown, would definitely have been way higher. <laughs> but you have to base it off the entire year, so that you know that also plays a lot into it. Absolutely. That's why. Uh, never mind. We'll get to it. I'm sure people are gonna be really happy with my list for the top men's and probably the top women's. But I don't care. Let's talk honorable mentions first uh, for the women's before we get to that top ten. I wanted to throw out Raquel Gonzalez, who was the NXT Women's Champion for a while, um, losing to Mandy Rose for the new 2.0, whatever the fuck. Roxy, who ended up beating, I believe, Chelsea Green to uh, win the first Ring of Honors Women's Championship match. She'll be going against Deanna Perrazzo, who plans on getting her Impact title back from Mickey James um, and already is the AAA uh, champion. Um, so we... She could have all three titles, or Deanna could have all three titles. But um, good stuff for a newcomer. Jade Cargill, I just I get what they're going for. And she actually had a decent match with Thunder Rosa last night. Uh, but, you know, Ruby Soho made some rounds coming over here. Uh, Natalia. Natalia is in my honorable mentions because she made two records this year in Guinness uh, World Records. Um, I believe it was the most uh, pay-per-view matches as a female and the most matches on television as a female. So good job for uh, Natty Neidhart and Hikaru Shida, who I love the, the matches so far with Deeb. I know we're getting more, but that's why she's on here. Uh, Riho also came back and had some good matches, a lot of good stuff, but these ladies, not everyone can make my top 10. Chris, do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, Mayu Atami, because I didn't watch any fucking stardom, and I'm sure that she had some great matches. And some of the others you named, definitely. Like, Chelsea Green would be someone that's on my honorable mentions. And once again, that plays more into the past three months. She's kind of picked up everything that was going on, and if maybe she had a longer year, she would probably have made the list, but didn't. So, um, yeah, those would be the two that I think of right offhand. Okay. Well, uh, that's funny. My number 10, uh, you just mentioned her, Chelsea Green. Now, you can still make this list to me and not actually win gold. She won the tournament in NWA. The next night, she lost to um, another person that I should definitely have my honorable mentions in NWA. 
their champion. Uh, oh man, how am I forgetting her name? Uh, powerhouse. It will come back to me once that happens. I'll try to recite it, but she obviously did not win. Camille, that there you go. Uh, she lost to Camille, but then she's the only person. Think about this. She has had a pay, a pay per view match, two of them, main events for NWA, and especially in St. Louis for that prestigious women's pay per view, and then their big uh, anniversary show. She was in the tournament and made it all the way down, I believe, to either the semifinals or the finals. Pretty sure it was her and Roxy at that pay-per-view for the Women's Championship. And she's been making her rounds in Impact right now. Um, I mean, I think that's pretty impressive. She gets fucking fired from WWE for absolutely nothing, being an amazing competitor, along with her fiancé, and has been dominating. And I think that what her and uh, you know uh, Cardona have done... Uh, in the industry, making a lot of good out of bad situation. Um, Chelsea Green is definitely my number 10. My number 10 is someone from your honorable mentions, uh, Hakira Shida. I think that she once again had a stellar year, had some really good matches with Serena Deeb, had some good matches on Elevation. They didn't utilize her as much on TV as they had in the past. Or she probably would have been a little bit higher, but I have her ranked as number 10 currently and expect to see more of her next year, I would assume. All right, so I completely forgot about the format that I set in place. So because of that, uh, <clears throat> we'll, we'll do we'll do two. We'll just go by two until we get to one. Sound good? I fucked that up. Works. Works for me. <laughs> All right. Uh, nine and eight. Uh, first, number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Beatles fans will get that. Sasha Banks. Now, Sasha is lower on the card or on my top ten because of the break that she had and having to keep on coming back. But, I mean, she had the title for a while. She had one of the best matches, especially in women's wrestling, against Bianca Belair in the main event. And, honestly, I think they stole the show. Uh, she's always good where they need her. I wish they would let her be her. It's like she kind of gets close to that when she's a heel, and then they set her baby face. And now I have no clue what the fuck they're doing with her. But Sasha Banks, I mean, she's the boss, man. She really is. So she is my number nine and my number eight. Another woman that did not get any gold this year, has had it before in the past, obviously, with the NWA Women's Championship but the heel turn with Serena Deeb, uh, her match with Hikaru Shida, any match that she's actually had, the woman of a thousand holds, uh, I just think that she's a great competitor. I could see her having gold again. I'd love to see her and Deanna Prazo in a match uh, between companies. But I just think that she is very impressive. And I'm glad, you know, with what happened last night with Mercedes Martinez, we have Serena Deeb, you know, if they were to get... Uh, an Ember Moon. You're getting a lot of experienced women in that locker room that are only going to make the girls that are less experienced better. Um, player coaches, if you will. So uh, I think Deeb's one of those people, and I think her heel turn was great, and I loved her matches with Hikaru Shida, and I'm looking forward to their last match. Well, in the series, if you will. So everyone can go ahead and get upset at me now. I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. I do not have Sasha Banks on this list. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> she did not make my list. Uh, my number nine Ooh. is Raquel. And number nine is Raquel Gonzalez, who you had in your honorable mentions, who I thought had a, a really good year in a very weird NXT. Um, I don't know what they're doing with her. Seems like someone that should probably already be on the main roster, but whatever. Uh, WWE is weird sometimes. And my number eight, which is probably going to be surprisingly low for a lot of people, is Becky Lynch, who just for the weird heel turn and some of the programs she's worked thus far, I have not been super impressed with, but she's still Becky Lynch and the few of the matches she has had since returning have been really good. So I have her sitting at number eight. All right. My seven and six. Uh, my number seven also didn't win anything this year. She had a, uh, more championships, I would say, the year previous. But she's been in the mix at AEW uh, as one of the top females. Um, we'll see what she does. I think she's going to end up getting that title away from Britt Baker. But Thunder Rosa, um, she's one of, I mean, maybe this is where favoritism comes in, but I mean, she's had a ton of matches. She's been great in all of them. She came out as fucking Wolverine last night to go against Jay Cargill, or I should say X-23 probably. She is one of my favorite female wrestlers in the top five right now. Um, maybe not to the uh, caliber of some of my other people in the top of this list, like as, as well as skill wise, but she's fucked. For being in the industry for as little of a time period as she has, she's she gets all aspects of it. So Thunderosa is going to be my number seven. My number six, you just mentioned her. No, she did not make my top five. And I think people are going to think I'm crazy with some of the other choices, especially my number one based on this. Becky's been fine. Sorry. She came in. Bullshit win against Bianca. They've tried to do his heel turn she's not doing terrible but it's just awkward i don't understand why they want becky to be a heel um you know i she just came back i don't remember any match specifically with her in it that really stands out besides the one that she had with charlotte which we know there's a lot of real heat there which was actually a pretty good match you can throw that on the honorable mentions uh but i just becky's good she's still six on my list but I don't think she should be in my top five, let alone in my like top two or anything like that, but where I think a lot of people would place her. Yeah, and I have uh, number seven. I also have Thunder Rosa. And, and for many of the reasons that you stated, as well as the fact that she had two of my favorite women's matches, um, this year, the the biggest one being something that we mentioned for best match of the year, which was the uh, match with her and Britt Baker, the lights out match. And I think that she's probably had a lot more good matches. If I watched Elevation, they did not do a great job of taking advantage of what she can really accomplish, but everything that I've seen her in whenever she's in a battle Royal or whenever she is in a match, it's been great. And she is one of my favorite characters as well as one of the most over female stars that they have. So I have her at number seven and my number six is probably going to surprise a lot of people, but it is Jordan grace from impact 
who has been absolutely incredible regardless of what they ask her to do. If they need her to have championship matches against Deanna Barathe, she can do that. If they want her to have male versus female matches, she can do that. I think that she is an absolute superstar in Impact. It would be great to see her maybe work with some different companies, um, but I have her listed as my number six. Great choice. Also should put, and I guess I'm going to be showing off that she's not in my top five. Jordan Grace is in my honorable mention. Now that you mention her, did some great matches, like you said. And I think she's the, uh, it's not the internet champion, but it's their version of it that's, um, you know, genderless. You can be whatever to get it. Jordan Grace has had that for a while. But, uh, all right, uh, five and four. Whew. Um, my number five and my number four are both non-WWE competitors, non-AEW competitors. Five goes to Mickey James. Mickey got fucked from the WWE, let go, been trying to do stuff. In interviews, she's even admitted that some of the creative ideas she gave to Vince and other higher-ups, they ended up using other women for. Um, and definitely younger women for some of those storylines. Don't know which ones they are. But she goes on and says, fuck it. She is a part of the first all-women's champion or all-women's wrestling show, back-to-back with their huge anniversary show in St. Louis, put it on, had an amazing match with Deanna Perrazzo. They had a great series of matches. Uh, or no, 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 she had an amazing match with, um, I can't remember the person, but Deanna attacked her. Great match with Deanna, Impact Women's World Champion again, tears in her eyes, you know, just defending that. I think she's going to lose that title to Deanna, but Mickey James has had a great comeback year, especially for someone like a lot of the people on these lists that aren't directly in one of the major companies per se. Uh, my number four is actually Deanna Prazo. Um I just think that Deanna Perrazzo's had a great year. Yeah, she did lose um, the championship over at Impact, but she's been dominant. She has performed on different platforms. She's been a presence in the women's division. She puts on great matches uh, regardless of the opponent. Her and Mickey James is another one that at, at, uh, where Mickey won. That could be for match of the year, another honorable mention. I just think that she's a top performer. She's not... She's in Impact. She's signed there, but she's been floating everywhere. She just, you know, challenged Roxy for a winner-take-all, um, you know, between the AAA uh, champion. She beat Apache for it at Triple Mania, which was a huge uh, accomplishment over with the Lucha Libre in AAA to beat her on that big stage. And she's got the AAA championship. Roxy's got the Ring of Honor. Before, she's going against Mickey James uh, as a rematch. Uh, for the uh, Impact title, and I think she's going to get that from Mickey James. But Deanna Prazo had one hell of a fucking year. She is one of the best female, one of the best wrestlers when it comes to technical stuff. And Mickey James, like I said, my number five, uh, or my number, or was it my number four? No, 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 my number five. Uh, just having an awesome comeback year. And what was your number four? Oh, no. Like I said, uh, Mickey James is number five. Deanna was number four. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mickey. Okay. Gotcha. Sorry. Um, for my number five, I have Serena Deeb 
for many of the same reasons that you had her listed, but just because every time I see her in a match, anytime she is put on TV, she consistently either has match of the night or damn near close to match of the night, regardless of who's on the card, male or female. She just consistently will give you a good match, whether it's a 15-minute match or a five-minute match. Uh, I think she's absolutely phenomenal. If she would have been on TV more, she would probably be way fucking higher on this list, if I'm being completely honest. And then my number four is Charlotte Flair. Um, Kind of a weird year for Charlotte Flair, but she's just been consistently good. She does exactly what they want her to do. She's been good as a promo. She had some good matches with Becky. Can be... Put into anything they need her to do, whether it's go down to NXT and have a weird match, um, hold the title. Uh, she's just constantly one of the better female wrestlers in the world, especially with the limitations they put around her sometimes on the main roster. So I have Charlotte Flair at my number four. All right. All right. Let's keep on moving. All right. So now we're down to three and two. All right, uh, Bianca Belair is my number three. I think that when it comes to newer performers, she has put herself on the map. You know, it's unfortunate when it comes to NXT-based wrestlers. I love Rhea Ripley to be having a year like Bianca had, but I'm glad Bianca is. You know, she went from NXT to being in the first year that she's on the main roster in WrestleMania in the main event against Sasha. The second you know, main event involving female wrestlers didn't have the greatest title range. I know that they just cut it short to put the title on Becky where Becky's such a big person. She doesn't even need a fucking title, but it's whatever. But when it comes to game changers and, you know, just female athletes, uh, I look forward to seeing what goes on with them. I think Bianca is at a high level uh, in performing and kind of in her prime right now. So we'll see where that goes. And my number two is Charlotte Flair. Woo! No, I don't care if you're crying because of this. Uh, Charlotte had an excellent year. She's been in a main attraction wherever she goes. Yeah, she had some issues with someone that's fired from the company and crying somewhere in Samoa. Uh, and also some issues with someone that's probably cursing her out uh, with a very strong Irish accent right now at this time, but it's fucking Charlotte. doesn't matter. She's got the title right now. She's, she's the fucking best. So sorry about that. She's better than my number one when it comes to wrestling. She's probably one of the best women's wrestler on the planet. I hope that stings. Go and put some uh, Neosporin on it or some shit. <laughs> uh, for my number three here... <laughs> I have Bianca Belair, and I, at the beginning of this year, until she lost that title to Becky, I mean, she was, I thought that they were going to push her to the moon, and, and they somehow screwed the pooch on that, but she did have one of the better female matches, one of the best of last year. Um, she's also been consistently in the title picture even though she's lost some matches but everything i've seen her in she's good she's still to me one of the standouts on that roster as far as like a new character that they've finally you know brought up it's just they need to pull the trigger and actually let her you know have a significant title reign and give her some meaningful wins hopefully the royal rumble coming up will shake that up a little bit with 
people like I don't know. Let's see, Oscar potentially coming back and and Bailey coming back hopefully, just to kind of make that roster a little deeper. Um, but I still think that she's one of the best wrestlers in the business, and I have her at number three. My number two is someone that you already mentioned, which is Diana Perazu. She's been absolutely great, having great matches wherever she goes, be it Ring of Honor, um, NWA, Impact, and hopefully very soon having a match with my number one, which I'm thinking is also your number one. So we might as well get into that <laughs> now. Yeah, uh, number one. Baker. DMD. He went from being someone that people talked about when it came to W wrestlers to I think that CM Punk is right. I, I think that if you take the pillars, you, sorry, Jungle Days, because it makes more sense with Darby, MJF, Sammy, and also Britt Baker. Um, because she is one of the fucking pillars. She is the rock right now. She can do no wrong, but she knows how to still get the audience against her as a heel. But everything with her and Tony, Adam Cole coming back, even though they haven't interacted, having that confrontation with Tony and them talking, laughing about it and inter- uh, after the fact. I just, I, I, I think Britt Baker is awesome. I think she's a great character. If she was in WWE right now, I'd want her to be against. And I'm not talking about fucking. Like like Tony Storm or, or like what fucking Becky did to Bianca. By the way, Tony Storm's gonna have a great year. I don't know what the fuck happened. I know that she requested her release. Maybe she didn't want to get hit in the face with pies. Then again, she was in a championship match. That's neither here nor there. She gets honorable mention just for sticking up to WWE. There you go. Uh, but my number one is Britt Baker. DMD. She's a badass. Great match with Thunder Rosa. Great matches with Kurashita. Getting that belt. I mean, did I say more, Chris? No, I mean, I think, you know, all the reasons you just stated, she's she's great on the mic. She can wrestle as a babyface or a heel. She had great matches with Ruby Soho. She had great matches with Akira Shida. She's had great matches with uh, Thunter Rosa. Anyone they've put her in, she's had a good match and has done a great job, especially if you consider the fact that she's had a broken wrist, which I think should be healed at this point has done a good job even selling that into the matches and incorporating it into finishes. And out of everyone listed on here, maybe with the exception of like a Sasha Flair or Bianca Belair, she's also the most rounded when it comes to promo ability look as well as in-ring talent. Um, So she was my number one. And what the hell, she carried the belt for the, I guess, almost the entire year, if not the entire year. and even in matches where you wouldn't think it would be an incredible match like her and Statlander, who I like a lot, she's proven that she can still get a good match pretty much out of anyone. Um, it's going to be hard to see anyone take that title from her. <laughs> There's some good competitors there in AEW and potentially some some coming in. Uh, someone you named, maybe like a Tony Storm or uh, Ember Moon, who was mentioned earlier. There's some great superstars out there. And, and like I said, I mean, the dream match for next year for me, and they've even talked about doing this match, would be Deanna Perazu versus Britt Baker, which I think would be fucking phenomenal. So that is my number one as well. DMD, Britt Baker. Absolutely. Definitely agree. All right, let's get to the men. So this is going to be uh, – I'm going to name some people. I think that 
my honorable mention is an honorable mention for a reason. But I want to mention, it necessarily didn't make my list for whatever reason. Um, because I didn't get a chance to see a majority of their their matches this year, even odds in wrestling. Like I said, I don't have Adam Cole on this list. You know something's up. I just don't think that it worked out. So I'm going to start. Big honorable mention to Edge, who I think had a great comeback second year. Did some awesome stuff. Loved his matches with uh, Seth Rollins. Didn't really like the build up for it, but had great matches. Uh, I thought he was a big person involved with that match. He kind of got fucked by Daniel Bryan, who was like, I'm going to be in this match. I'm going to be in this match. Then he got in the match, and he was like, peace. And, uh, you know, Edge just had to deal with it. But I uh, went against Roman, had a good match with him, just singles-wise. You know, I just didn't make my top ten. Uh, this one really hurts. Both Shingo and especially Katsuchika Okada. I just didn't see enough of their stuff. Uh, Miro had an excellent year. I thought Adam Page had an excellent ending of his year. I just, we didn't have him for a while. Eddie Kingston, uh, Braun Breaker, MJF is on my list, so I don't know why that's listed. Uh, CM Punk, uh, Moose, Trevor Murdoch, um, and Alexander Hammerstone, Sheamus, I thought had a great year. Could make it. I like Rollins, it's just some of his heel dynamics aren't working. Uh, Champa and Drew McIntyre all did not make my list, but big honorable mentions uh, because they all had great years. It's just you have ten fucking slots, damn it, ten slots, Chris. <laughs> you named a lot of people that would also be in my honorable mentions, but uh, a couple you didn't name are more from the New Japan Strong side of things which i have uh here is filthy tom lawler and fred rosser who have been battling each other for this belt seemingly forever uh, and have had some great matches so just honorable mentions to them and then like a lot of the guys you have like their champa uh for instance didn't make my list uh it's my my list is pretty packed and i kind of went all over the board with it so hopefully we won't get set on fire by the end of this episode but i guess we will see all right yeah, we're going to find out. So, um, we'll, we'll go back to two, four, six. All right, so this, we'll, we'll just do it by twos, and then we'll just do the last two. Yes, because I think that me and you might have a similar concept, maybe reverse, but it's always been the question this year. Who, was, who had the better year, if you will? So, I don't know if that's the case for you, but some given stuff. Um, actually... Go ahead and give me your 10 and 9. For number 10, I have Walter. He would be way higher on this list if given more TV time in America. Um, So number 10, I have Walter for all the reasons we kind of talked about with match of the year. And then my number 9 is Big E, who finally got the championship, has had some great matches. Don't currently like what they're doing with him, but it was good to see him finally get the heavyweight title, and he's been a hell of a lot of fun to watch in his singles run. So that is my number nine, is Biggie. All right. My 10 and 9, you guys outside of WWE, AEW, 10, outside of everything, Matt Cardona. Um, his match, oh, God, that he had with Nick Gage was so ballsy of him. Um, just... Showed you a different side. He's been showing up places. He's been a heel over at GCW. 
uh, I think he's done working with them. He's been, because I think they had an angle where Chelsea Green got injured or some shit like that. I don't remember. He's been, obviously, an impact as a babyface. I think he's going for that main title. I, I just love this concept. And he also showed up at NWA, beat, beat up Trevor. So if, if this is a thing where Cardona is going to go win the titles for short reigns, at, like a lot of the major companies, I just love what he's doing, man. He was in AEW for a split second, having a, a good match with Cody, but obviously we know what happened to that. But since he's been away from WWE, he's been doing everything along with his, his girl, Chelsea, to keep themselves relevant and not have to sign an exact contract any major company so that's why he's my number 10 number nine number nine jonathan gresham uh jonathan had an amazing year it's a bittersweet year but still they got ring of honor back on television did the pure tournament for the original pure championship we all thought it was going to be jay lethal against jonathan gresham jay lethal being a past pure championship uh, against gresham who honestly was probably the best technical wrestler one of the best in the businesses, um, and he's going against Josh Alexander soon for that Ring of Honor championship, which should be an awesome fucking time. But, you know, he uh, won the tournament, won the championship. He lost it, but uh, to another up-and-coming record, what his name is, and then won at the last pay-per-view, the Ring of Honor championship. Last champion, really, in the in the televised era. It might be the last champion. Uh, we don't know. Like, he might drop it before April, but who knows what the fuck happens. Uh, I just think that Gresham put himself on the map. And he's also married to Jordan Grace. So very, very intelligent man right there. Very lucky guy. But, uh, yeah, man, Jonathan is a badass. I want to see him everywhere. And he's going to fucking New Japan strong. So he's going to be another guy uh, on that platform. Stirring it up with people like Filthy Tom Lawler and Jay White. So I'm looking for Yeah, everyone is everyone's coming for Filthy Tom, it turns out. <laughs> there should be that'll be fun to see those guys mix it up eventually. Um yeah, my number eight, I have Darby Allen. I think he's consistently one of the most entertaining people. He didn't have any big title runs, but was a part of some very big matches. Anytime I see him in a tag match with Sting, it's always a hell of a lot of fun. I have him at number eight. I think he may be one of the most over, if not the most over person um, on my entire list. So that factored into my decision to actually put him here. And uh, number seven, Adam Page, finally getting the title. He did have three or four months off, but once again, he's one of the most over people in AEW. Had some great matches with with Brian Danielson so far headed, in, headed into the next year, as well as the amazing match he had with Kenny Omega. Um, so that is my number seven is Adam Page. All right. Um, my number seven, or my number eight, I should say, or number seven, is also Darby Allen, TNT champion, uh, lost to Miro. Uh, I mean, but the, the dude is one of the best wrestlers. He's he's in my easily my personal favorites out of the modern wrestlers. In my top five, probably. The matchup with Sting, putting those two together, was an excellent idea that I think has worked out for both tag matches that they've done, including one live in, in Atlanta that I got to watch. It was so much fun. Just seeing this man shoot himself and show everyone, hey, hey, guys, if you're doing a suicide dive, like that one that he did 
where FTR and MJF were out to the outside, and it was like all three of them. He hit them so hard, they bounced off like he was fuck, like it was a bocce ball, you know, just every fucking direction. Just good shit all together. Great wrestler. Had a great reign with the TNT title. Great duo with him and, and Sting. He's probably going to be higher on my list, I'm assuming, next year. But uh, number seven is, I think, before Edge, and people can say what they want, but when it comes to, on paper, who's had the best comebacks year between a CM Punk and Edge and this gentleman, because to me, Daniel Bryan lays higher on the list, so I'll just give you that hint, it's Christian. Yeah, he's been in limbo with the fucking Jurassic Express for a while now, but he came back at the Royal Rumble. It was a big deal. He left the company shortly after that. We were kind of hoping for stuff with him and Edge. Pops up on AEW. He beat Kenny Omega. Yes, for the Impact title, but still, he fucking beat him during his reign. People don't really talk about that, and they had a great match. That's also another excellent match. Uh, Christian goes to Impact. Him and Josh Alexander for the title, and the, the cash-in for Moose at the end of it was a fucking awesome match. Another one that I should probably put in the honorable mentions. And I think at his age, to see him do this and to get the Impact title again, yeah, I don't know if he'll ever get the World Heavyweight. Who knows? But him being there, I think, has also being paired with, Jun with Jungle Boy and also Luchasaurus. Marco Stunt hasn't been there as much. Weird. Um, you know, and, and, and fucking Luchasaurus, I don't know if he's also influenced from Big Show. He's acting more like a giant doing some of his cool martial art routines as like a highlight within a match and doing his jump to the outside during pay-per-views, learning where to put his spots in as a big dude. And Jungle Boy, I think, has gotten better on the mic because of Christian probably being an influence and also better in the ring. If you have someone that's there watching it, it's going to be great. But Christian, I think, had arguably... He, he, no, he didn't do a pr promo in every fucking city and get everyone riled up. No, he didn't lose at WrestleMania, you know... And then lose again against against Roman Reigns, I believe in the Hell in the Cell. Like, I'm, but to me, over Edge and fucking CM Punk out of the legends, I would put Christian for his comeback for actual accomplishments. Maybe I'm crazy, Chris. No, I don't think you're crazy, and I struggled with not. He's not on my list, but definitely worthy of an honorable mention. The same as Edge, um, Christian. You could you could make the argument that he definitely should be on my list now that I'm thinking back on it, just because of the two matches with Kenny Omega alone, and then like you said, the title match on Impact. So he probably should be higher, but he I'm, I'm, he's going to have to go in my honorable mentions just because I uh, I have some New Japan guys that probably bumped a few guys that you might have on yours. So. Let's see here. I uh, Number six, I have the American Dragon himself, Brian Danielson. He, once again, all the matches we've talked about so far, he's been on one hell of a run, whether it's just beating the hell out of the Dark Order nerds or having time limit for all matches and consistently being in good high-level feuds. He's my number six. Um, and my number five is probably the most important person in New Japan of, of the past year leading up to this pay-per-view, which is Shingo Takagi, who had an absolutely incredible G1, has been an outstanding champion for them, and is built up to be, you know, next week at Wrestle Kingdom is, is going to be in one of the main events there. So my number five is Shingo Takagi. It was hard not putting Okada because of personal love and affection. Also, Shingo, because 
accomplishments. Kind of wanted G1. But, I mean, not having them on my list. No no New Japan people on my list. I just had to be realistic to myself and just base it off of how much I actually viewed it this year. And, unfortunately, I'm going to try to pick it up more so next year. If they don't get shut down altogether. No. But um, let me go six and five. My number six. All right. He only won his ring back again. But he's won every single one of his matches so far. He's one of the biggest heels. He's, you know, we're, we're joking about the bidding war of, of, of 2014 or 2024 and what that's going to do. We have influence directly confirmed from Dave Metzler that both Fox and USA have seen this guy outside of WWE and been interested in him. He's obviously, I mean, maybe it's not obvious, but to me, out of all the new talent, the younger guys, he's the best fucking person on the mic. He's a great wrestler inside the ring. He proved that with his match with Darby Allen, which was one of my favorites. Um, I hope they don't fucking simmer the feud with him and Punk, because I think him and MJF need to go strong um, towards the next pay-per-view, I'm assuming, in February. But just regardless, I think CM Punk has, and thank God he got away from Chris Jericho. I think that's that uh, that MJF has picked his spots, had some of the best promos, his stuff against Brian Pillman, his stuff against Punk, his stuff against Jericho, everything is just shows you that, yeah, you can be an Adam Cole and be a great promo, but even if you're trying to act like a heel, people like you. You're the cool heel. CM Punk ain't the cool heel. And I think that when it comes to other promos, Eddie Kingston, who was on my honorable mention, who I thought had a great year, uh, CM Punk, who's also on my honorable mention, uh, specifically because of promos, I think had a really good year. I just don't think that even they are up to the level that MJF is. He is a douchebag. He's a character, but he's also real. Like, so it's, 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 and the fucking reaction he got in Long Island. Like, who the hell saw that coming? Who gives a shit if he's from there? He's a fucking douchebag. He still insulted them during the promo. Just, I, I, I think he's the best seal in the business, Chris, right now. So MJF is my number six, my number five. I think that he had an incredible year, Bobby Lashley. He won that fucking title. He dominated it with, with, with it for a long time. He put himself on the map. As far as professional wrestling, I think this is some of the best matches he's given us. Um, he, he, and also, he just he wouldn't take shit from Goldberg's kid. Fucking, you know, knocked his ass out. And him and MVP as a pairing has been great. They just got back. It looks like they might. The rumor is babyface Lashley against Amos is what they want at WrestleMania. I don't know how I feel about that. We'll see how that works out. But they got back Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. So their group's... <coughs> sorry. So the uh, the group's back. But I thought Bobby Lashley had a great year. What do you say for those two? So for number four for the majority of the reasons that you just gave is MJF. I think he's the best heel in the business. Um, my, the only thing that kept him from being higher on my list is that I did get really tired of the consistent feud with Chris Jericho for the majority of the year, but he's been great on the mic. He's been a lot of entertaining. He's been really entertaining to watch even when he's basically refusing to wrestle <laughs> sting and Darby. He's one of the best wrestlers there. Like his how hilarious he 
was running away from CM Punk and, and just shit like that. Little things that he does that harkens back to old school heels put him very high on this list for me. Um, he's great. I wouldn't be surprised if this time next year, especially if he gets a title run, if he ends up being in the top three of this list. Uh, but he barely missed out this year. Uh, my number three is Kazuchiko Okada. Once again, incredible G1. Uh, some of the mic work he's been doing around carrying the old title and, and how he doesn't want that legacy uh, to just simply disappear by the powers that be in New Japan Pro Wrestling deciding they want a new title belt look, I think has been phenomenal. And the build up to this Wrestle Kingdom match and three different champions, so to speak, and at basically an interim champion in Takagi, you're Kazuchika Okada, who just doesn't want the old belt to go away, and Will Ospreay, who the belt was basically stripped off of. I think that's one of the more intriguing storylines in wrestling, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And also Okada, just in-ring-wise, with the exception of maybe one or two other guys, well, in the entire world, is still the best wrestler. So he had to make my list. He made the list high. It was impossible for me to put him at number one this year, as I normally do, just because of the next two people that I'm pretty sure you and I are both about to talk about and their importance to their companies. All right. Yeah, absolutely, man. Okada, one of my favorites, one of the staples. Very hard, like I said, not having him on this list. I love what he's doing with the uh, school IWGP title, which is way cooler than that in Eva's title wrapped in gold aluminum. We have for, you know, with Will Ospreay and Shingo. But we'll see what happens at Wrestle Kingdom next week. And, uh, yeah, definitely, like I said, hard not to have him on here. All right, so my four and three. My number four is Big E. So proud of this guy getting that fucking title from Lashley. Uh, the buildup was awesome. Towards the end, they really hyped it up. I'm happy I'm getting to see the serious side. But he's still been able to interact with the New Day. It's not like that. They completely ripped them apart and you know they he kind of made them more serious when they went against the bloodline for that match like i kind of fucked over on television but uh just just being a staple being the second member of this group and i hope all three members get to do this have that fucking title i know it was a big deal for him and he's still putting on great matches his match with roman reigns survivor series was great uh, my number three, I know that people are going to think I'm he's way too high. Daniel Bryan, a couple of years ago, or Bryan Danielson, for, for this year he was both. But, you know, a couple of years ago we never thought we'd see him back in the ring. He was having great matches at the start of this year, WWE just going out there and giving his – we were talking about it like, you know, Jesus Christ, like he's really hitting it hard. And this is the WWE. He was part of the, the – uh, Oh, also, I just want to say, to back up my Christian point that I forgot about, one of the only people to be on three major wrestling pay-per-views as the uh, main event. Within the Royal Rumble, that was the main event that night, came back, was at, uh, obviously, the AEW event, main eventing, and then, obviously, uh, an impact at their Bound for Glory. Uh, I think it was Rumble, All Out, and fuck it. Good year for Christian. Anyways, back to Brian Danielson. He was part of the biggest fucking, the technical, the second night, the technical main event of WrestleMania. Uh, no, he did not win. Still high-level performances. Showed up at AEW. Has put it the work with 
big names and had great matches. You know, I I know that he hasn't won uh, per se. Even the fucking the best match she had ended up being a draw for thirty minute and the sixty minute. But god damn it, Brian Danielson is wrestling. He's Goku right now, man. He's just give me opponent, I'll beat their ass. But not only that, to go from babyface to being beloved when he showed up. Um, and being the guy that showed up at the end of the event, you know, uh, after Adam Cole already came out, you know what I'm saying? To being that dude, and then now his healing uh, against Adam Page has been great. So I, I don't know. I, I just think that he's fucking awesome. So there you go. Uh, Big E, Jenny Bryan, my four and my three. Who is your number two, Chris? My number two, and I think that you could either you could probably swap these guys. I just feel like one has had better match quality than the other. My number two is Roman Reigns, who's been the, to me the most interesting storyline in wrestling, especially the stuff with Brock Lesnar that's going on right now. Him and Paul Heyman putting those two together with the Usos has been absolutely incredible and the most watchable thing in WWE by far on the biggest stage, the highest rated show right now, SmackDown. Um, like I said, you could make an argument for him being number one. The only reason I put him a little bit lower is fucking what my number one was able to accomplish while being severely injured and having, you know, six star matches. <laughs> if you're going by the Dave Meltzer, you know, s- scoring ratio. So uh, I think it's going to be pretty easy to figure out who my number one is. But who's your number two, Dave? My number two is probably your number one. Kenny Omega. Uh, him and Don Callis were a great pair. About the stuff where they added the Young Bucks in, and especially the fucking extra people with Brandon Cutlet and fucking all those idiots. Knock a knock a knock the fuck out. Uh, that, I did not like that dynamic. Kenny sometimes would go from, especially if he was with the Bucks, to being kind of more, I don't know, Funny with his promos, but when you had him, especially in Impact, where he came there in a fucking bus and just was parked in the parking lot, like I'm the champion. If you want to summon me, come in here at the another promotions, fucking you know taping. Uh, the presence. A lot of times he was giving great promos. Usually when it was just him and Callis. Um, so much praise from wrestlers this year, uh, from Bret Hart, who literally said in his speech uh, getting the award in Canada for something, I forgot what it was, like, I don't know, their pop something award? I have no clue. But he mentioned great Canadian wrestlers today, and Kenny Omega was uh, number one picked. Uh, Ric Flair loves Kenny Omega. His stuff that he did in Mexico. He was a AAA champion, the AEW champion, and the Impact champion. Uh, all at the same time, the belt collector. Had the TNA belt, too, still rocking it. Had great matches over in TNA with Sammy Callahan, with Moose, uh, specifically Rick's, Rich Swan, um, everything that he did over in, and the fact that he was injured. Um, you know, just good stuff. Uh, the only thing that makes him number two instead of number one for me, some of the storylines that he was a part of were a bit weak. The, the best one, obviously, was when Adam Page came back. That, that kind of changed things in a whole new direction. But I feel like he couldn't find his character that well, and I think that some of the Buck stuff kind of would sometimes take him on a notch. Uh, you know, 69 me, Don, 69 me, stuff like that. That that was just stupid. 
But other than that, man, I mean, AAA champion. I know that people can degrade Impact, but, I mean, there's still a fucking entity. That champion, AEW champion. I mean, it was like, is he going to get the NWA? Is he going to be the belt collector? Obviously, he lost, so Thanos took off his gloves after getting three gems on it. And he still has... No, he doesn't have any. He got stripped of the AAA. He lost the impact to Christian. He lost the AW to... But still, just amazing matches. Him and him and Christian, him and Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, him and Paige. Yeah, you got to say that if... To me, he's number two to what I think you know is my number one. But still, it's it's by like a small, thin fucking amount. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just for all the reasons, I guess that's, you know, pretty much speaks to my number one. I mean, just the quality of matches he was able to have and some of the matches in the people he had him against. I mean, you're talking about matches against Moxley, Christian, uh, Brian Danielson, uh, Adam Page, Rich Swan, Moose. Like any of those matches were very high quality wherever he went, doing those injured, carrying that AEW title, making it to me, making it more prestigious than it had been, especially kind of after the swap from, let's say, from Jericho to Moxley. Not that Moxley had a bad reign or anything. It's just watching Kenny Omega have these incredible matches, find different ways to win, different ways for him to still be a shitty heel. Uh, I think it, it wouldn't even have been a question in my mind if maybe you took away some of the goofiness of the Young Bucks, and especially like when they had the Good Brothers there in Don Callis and they put all of them together. That was a bit fucking much for me. But even some of his matches against people like Orange Cassidy, like the promos he was cutting against Orange Cassidy and stuff, there's still something there with him. And I'm kind of glad that it seems like these groups are being. I mean, now that he's going to be gone, they're going to go with Redragon. Maybe we will see less of that going forward when Kenny does make his return. But uh, he had an absolute phenomenal year. And uh, like I said, uh, this is a toss up between number one and two. And I think PWI kind of ran into the same problem this year with who they decided was their number one and number two. So I'm not surprised that there's still this conversation going, you know, they released theirs in September and we're doing it now. And the conversation is still kind of going on of who should be there. But like I said, there's arguments to be made for, for either. And if you're going just who's the most important to their company, you know, Kenny was important as far as being a champion, but, uh, I think your number one is probably more important in general, especially to overall storyline. All hail the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. You know, didn't matter if it was Kevin Owens, beaten. Daniel Bryan, beaten. Edge and Daniel Bryan, beaten. Edge, beaten. John Cena, beaten. Brock Lesnar, beaten it's probably gonna fucking do it again man um uh biggie beaten you know the biggest enemy he beat drew mcintyre too recently some of the biggest fucking guys in wrestling he has dominated seth rollins doesn't want shit to do with him he's scared before he left fucking smackdown he was trying to get his good graces and then get the fuck out of there because he knows what would happen if he tangled with the tribal chief. As far as WWE, it still is one, if 
you know, AEW is great, but it, that's still, you'd say sports entertainment, but the biggest wrestling entity out there. He's beaten all their big guys, including John Cena coming back, including fucking Brock Lesnar coming back. You know, I, I just think Roman is at a different level. He's had what? He's had that title for over 400 days. You know, I mean, his his promos have been amazing. His dynamic with Paul Heyman has been great. The storyline with Brock Lesnar and him going forward. The storylines with Jimmy and him personally and Jay trying to snap him out because of the storylines, obviously, last year with him and Jay just being a duo, helping them get their titles, laying it into them. But their family, unlike Paul Heyman, who got fucking Superman punched, and now and Brock, babyface Brock of all people, came and saved uh, Paul Heyman. But, I mean, he's beaten every fucking big person. He's had what they consider, even though I don't get it because its lineage goes back to Finn Balor, for Christ's sakes. And I love Finn, but... Universal Championship isn't the world championship, you know, the big gold belt. It's very small, but they, they put that over their WWE lineage belt, and he even beat the champion to fucking put cement that concept. He beat Bobby Lashley. I mean, he's fucking beaten everybody. And, and, and to me, his promos have gotten great. His heel work has gotten great, but people still love him. When he says, acknowledge me, you get boos and you get cheers. He is... At even being a heel, like if Kenny is, is, is your Ric Flair, maybe not to the same like fucking level of popularity. I'm not saying that. But if Kenny is the, the other company, big guy, your Ric Flair, your Sting, whoever, that the opposing company of the WWE won't do, he really is, you know, for what they need right now, even as a heel, they're Hulk Hogan. Uh, I, I mean, I just don't see him losing anytime soon. So I just think that Kenny's... In-ring work was definitely better than Roman's. But Roman still had some great matches and beat every big opponent. And I think the duo, I love Don Callis and Kenny. I would give the edge, actually, to Roman and, and Paul Heyman. And I give also Roman the, you know, the handling of storylines. I know Paul has a lot to do with that. And also promos, personally. And he's not, he's actually fucking reciting dialogue and doing good with it. You know, so th- there is that. I understand Kenny's had more matches. Like I said, high pro- profile with every fucking person you could think of outside of the WWE, and that there's something to be said for that. Um, but, I mean, would you rather take the AEW title out of it? Would you rather have the Impact and the AAA belt or the WWE, you know, Universal belt? So I, I don't know which is higher in the industry, but to me, that's why Roman kind of scaled out things a little bit over Kenny Omega. I guess I went with overall perception within wrestling, uh, you know, popularity somewhat more so than work rate. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, like I said, it all, it also just depends on what you're kind of what you're a fan of. I love Roman too. That's why it was an easy number two for me. It, it's, it's the, the sheer amount of wrestling that Kenny did is kind of what put him over the top. Um, cause I'm not, we haven't even really talked about trios matches or any of the other shit, but just the sure amount that he was wrestling while injured was just something I couldn't look past. But, uh, if it, Roman is definitely the most important person in WWE, which in, in turn makes him probably the most important person in wrestling. Right. Um, so putting him at number one makes a lot of sense. And it's not like, like I, like you just said, maybe outside of the Finn Bill Balor, 
turning into the demon match, <laughs> which was just fucking ridiculous. The demon too, even though that was terrible. <laughs> Outside of that, it's not like Roman was having any like bad matches or anything. So uh, I think that we have we made these arguments. So we'll leave it up to the fans to decide who they think number one or number two was. But uh, either way, both these guys well-deserved to be number one or number two. And I think that's the positions they should be sitting on, on anyone's list. Anyone that has someone else snuck in there, I would have to see a very good damn reason of why, like, I don't know who else you would, who you could saddle as number one, even if you're like the biggest new Japan fan in the world with them having kind of a down year, it would be hard to see like even Okada or Takagi at number one without some, some huge, huge research paper that would convince me. And who likes research papers? I know I didn't. But uh, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> true. Let's uh, let's 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 play uh, something that we I don't think we've done, but I thought about it just now. Let's uh, let's let's travel in time, Chris, to a year from now. What person on our list, um, tag team men and women, do you think? Is going to be higher, uh, more so than than this year. Wh- whose year is this next year going to be, for whatever wrestlers? I think the Briscoes will probably end up being number one. And FTR will also be higher on my list next year for tag teams. For men's wrestling, if they're going to keep Brock around like they have, he didn't make my list this year only because. He barely was there. There's an honorable mention. Shit. <laughs> but if he keeps, if they actually give him the belt and he sticks around and, and wrestles kind of like he's been doing so far, if they're going to keep him a, a consistent person on the show, I mean, he's going to shoot up into the top five probably. So those would be my two right off, right off hand. Yeah, for me. <laughs> Briscoes could definitely go up. I think RK Bro is going to be done by then. Um, I would love to see the New Day really reflect themselves more as a tag team and get themselves up there again, but who knows? Like I said, I think the Briscoes are going to be higher. Hopefully the Bucks will be higher, too, in my perception, at least. And hopefully, like I said, the Lucha Brothers, maybe Red Dragon, you know? Uh, maybe we'll have a really good year for LAX, finally. Maybe we'll have a fucking, uh, maybe the Grills of Destiny will come in there. Who knows? They're both in the States. Fuck's going on? Let's have the best tag tournament of all time. Um, but yeah, I think the Briscoes are going to have a great year, like you said. Uh, women's wrestling, I hope that Chelsea Green, for wherever she goes, has a great year. And I hope that Thunder Rosa does. And I hope next year, as far as male wrestlers, I want to see Jay Lethal make an impact. I really do. I want to see Adam Cole make an impact. They're in my top top 10, top 5 or both of them of my favorite wrestlers in modern day. So I'd love to see Adam Cole with a big title win, whichever title, you know, and also some great matches. And I'd love to see Jay Lethal win whichever title and have a bunch of great matches. So that's what I think. If we look towards the future, I don't know what the fuck what per- that was. One person that I think that didn't make either our list, I think he made your honorable mentions as Braun Breaker. Uh, I think he will make that list next year and probably will be at WrestleMania. 
there's a bold prediction for you. Woo. Yeah, Braun Breaker, that'd be great if he ends up being that big. Um, just yeah, I, the the world's a limit for that kid. Hope Alexander Hammerstone has a big year next year too. Big, I'm always going to be a big fan of his. Another guy who came back on AEW, Malachi Black. I hope he does some awesome stuff next year. So, yeah, man, 2022. Let's see what happens. 2021 was basically just you know uh, 2020, but not as loud. So if we could just get the fuck away from those style years, that would be great. But I hope everyone has a lovely time um, in the uh, next year of your life, the next rotation that we do around the world. And uh, hope you guys had a great New Year's. We're about to get ready to have fun ourselves. I'm going to go and get some champagne and beer so I can start drinking by myself. You know, shit happens. But I'm actually just kidding. Me and my roommates were having something at my house, but I have to be fun. So, Chris, you know, say say any last words uh, and, and, and goodbye to the uh, lovely people of 2021. Yeah, everyone, I hope you had a good 2021 and, and best wishes headed into 2022. Be safe out there and love one another and continue to watch wrestling and listen to our show, which we thank you so much for doing. And uh, Dane, happy early New Year, bud. Happy early New Year to you, good sir. And I hope you have a wonderful evening as well. And we have a great year. We're going to have a lot of fun episodes for Wrestling Geeks Alliance in the future, as always. Uh, I want to mention really quick from me and Chris, big up to Jim Ross, who is cancer-free. Thank you, JR, for everything. It was good seeing you behind the uh, desk last night. And, uh, yeah, just uh, go see that new Spider-Man movie. The Matrix fucking sucks. Go see the new Spider-Man movie. Everyone have a great night. Happy New Year's. Let Let the wonderful Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. And as always, peace out.